good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Highway Community Podcast for Sunday, June 26th, 2022. Thank you so much for listening. Today, we're continuing the new teaching series that we introduced last week entitled Eyes to See, where we are looking at stories from the Gospels that contain the words Jesus saw and exploring together who Jesus saw, what Jesus saw, and the invitations that emerge for us to have eyes to see like Jesus. And this morning, inspired by a story from the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see Jesus showing us how to have eyes to see the kingdom. If you have a Bible accessible, either physically or digitally, and you'd like to join me in the scriptures, you can turn or tap your way to Mark chapter 2, which is our text for this morning. And as we pick up the action here, Jesus, to the amazement of everyone, has just healed a paralytic who had been lowered down to him through the roof while he was teaching. And not only did Jesus heal this man physically, he also healed him spiritually by forgiving his sins, uh, the news of which created a lot of controversy with the Jewish religious leaders. After this, Mark chapter 2, verse 13 says this, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. One of the characteristics of Mark's portrayal of Jesus is that Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is constantly on the move. Jesus is constantly in motion. And we see that here at the beginning of verse 13. Once again, Mark says, Jesus went out. So there's Jesus going. And Mark says that he began to teach the crowd that had come to him. And it's interesting, you know, the way that Mark describes Jesus' teaching here is actually something that we see repeatedly throughout his narrative. Mark's habit is to mention that Jesus taught without ever mentioning any specifics about what he taught. Mark commonly mentions that Jesus taught without specifically mentioning what he teaches. And I'm going to talk about this more later, but as an aside, I think there's something really provocative about that. There's something really provocative about the way that Mark records Jesus' teaching, and, and, and especially given our modern Western cultural context. Because, you know, as the kids like to say now, uh, we love us some teaching. Uh, and that is very true in the church as well. We love teaching, and we love learning. And in all the, all the seminars and workshops and classes and book groups and conferences, uh, not, not to mention all the content that is available and accessible online, all validates that, right? There is so much teaching available, which I think really reflects a value that we hold as the church. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that, right? Those are good things. After all, Jesus does say, as a part of the greatest commandment, that we're to love the Lord our God with all our mind. But I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me. It certainly wouldn't be the first time that was the case. Maybe it's just me, but, but I think that it's really interesting that Mark chose not to focus on the specifics of what Jesus taught, but instead just mentions 
That he taught. And out of all the things that Mark could include in his gospel, all the things that Jesus said and did, he chooses not to focus on the specifics of Jesus' teaching in favor of just generally saying that, that Jesus taught. So I'm going to suspend that thought for now, and we'll come back to it. All right, back to the story. So Jesus began to teach the large crowd, and then Mark chapter 2, verse 14, says, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Last week, we noted how significant it was that Jesus saw the man born blind, because in the world of the ancient Near East, people with physical disabilities were largely invisible. Tax collectors, on the other hand, were anything but invisible. Uh, despite people's wishes that they were. Tax collectors were, were generally despised in ancient Palestine for the reputation that they had for being extortionists. And the reputation was even worse among the Jews, both because of their contact with Gentiles and even more so because of their corroboration with the Roman government. And so, while tax collecting was a lucrative profession financially, uh, it was anything but lucrative socially. Now, based on Mark's description here in verse 14, it appears that Levi was some sort of customs official. This type of tax collector didn't collect income taxes or poll taxes. Instead, they were more like a toll collector. They would sit in booths at, at various places, roads and bridges and the like, and city gates, and collect a toll on goods in exchange for the rite of passage. And so Jesus saw Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth, and he extended him an invitation. Jesus saw Levi, and he extended him an invitation to follow him. And Mark underscores for us just how significant this is by the way that he tells the story. And if we rewind one chapter in Mark's gospel to Mark chapter 1, verse 16, we read this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Do you see the similarities between, between those verses and, and what we just read from Mark chapter 2? It's essentially the very same story and the very same invitation. Right? Only the professions have been changed. Tax collector versus fisherman. But the parallels don't end there, because in the same way that Simon and Andrew dropped their nets, Mark chapter 2 verse 14 says that Levi got up and left his tax collector's booth and followed Jesus. So Jesus extends the very same invitation to Levi that he extended to the fishermen who he saw on the shore. And then look at what happens next. Mark chapter 2 verse 15 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. 
And so we see there that, that after Jesus invites Levi to follow him, he goes to his house for dinner. And this is a big deal, of course, because according to hospitality customs in the Middle East, sharing a meal with someone was a lot more than just eating food together. Sharing a meal with someone communicated acceptance. It communicated kinship. It communicated reconciliation. And Mark takes care to mention that it wasn't just Levi who was there eating. There were many tax collectors and sinners who were eating with Jesus and his disciples. And that word that's translated for us as sinners in verse 15 is a word that's used to refer to people who were basically professional sinners, people who were unrepentantly engaged in practices that blatantly ignored God's law, like moneylenders and prostitutes. And so Levi's house, Mark tells us, is just loaded with people who are notorious sinners by trade. And Mark chapter 2, verse 16, says that when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? So we see there, there that when the Pharisees saw Jesus dining among this company, it very much created a disturbance in the force for them. Because the Pharisees would never even entertain dining with tax collectors and sinners because it would threaten their purity as well as their sense of separation. They would never entertain dining with tax collectors and Pharisees because it would threaten their purity and their sense of separation. And all of that was important to the Pharisees, by the way, not because they were simply compulsive rule followers. Their dedication to the law was ultimately about their belief that Israel was suffering as a nation because of their chronic disobedience of and disregard for God's law. And they were trying to lead the nation back to faithfulness by example. And so it's not surprising uh, that, they, that they have questions about Jesus and to his disciples dining with this company. It's no, not surprising at all that they have questions about them dining with Levi and his friends. And so Jesus saw Levi and went to his home to share a meal. And the Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the tax collectors and sinners, and they were offended. And that contrast that Mark draws there definitely highlights a very stark and a very fundamental difference in approach. But the Pharisees were focused on excluding. Jesus was focused on embracing. The Pharisees excluded. Jesus embraced. You see, Jesus saw Levi at his tax collector's booth, and he saw the very essence of the kingdom that he came to inaugurate and embody. Jesus saw Levi, and he saw the very essence of the kingdom that he came to inaugurate and embody. Jesus saw the banquet table where all are welcome. And something that I think Mark you know, very much invites us to see through the way that this story unfolds, something that, that he really invites us to wrestle with, I think, 
is how fundamentally uncomfortable the kingdom really is. Mark invites us through the way that he tells this story to see and wrestle with how uncomfortable the kingdom of God really is. And it's not just uncomfortable for the Pharisees, right, who are, who are bothered by what's happening here in a more overt way. It's also uncomfortable for Jesus' first disciples. You know, we noted earlier the similarities between Jesus' invitation for Levi to follow him here in Mark chapter 2 and his invitation for Simon and Andrew to follow him in Mark chapter 1. But in Simon and Andrew, and then just after that, James and John, they left everything behind in order to follow Jesus. They left everything behind for the opportunity to follow a rabbi, for the opportunity to follow a teacher. And then, not long at all after they did that, one of the first things that Jesus does is extend the very same invitation to Levi. Jesus extends the same invitation to Levi, right? a toll booth collector who Simon, Andrew, James, and John were likely to have already known personally, and not in a good way. Because you know, the Sea of Galilee was teeming with fish. And because of that, it's, it's likely that a substantial amount of the taxes that Levi collected came from the fishing trade which means that it's also likely that he had collected taxes personally from Simon, Andrew, James, and John. Right? So we can see there how Levi may not be their favorite person, and not just because he's a tax collector, but because he's been their personal tax collector. And now, not only is this guy following Jesus too, they're in his house eating dinner. Right, with everything that that communicates. And as if all of that weren't enough, they've got the Pharisees barking at them about why Jesus is dining with all of these people. You know, when we think about it, all of that had to be so incredibly different from what Simon, Andrew, James, and John ever envisioned sitting under the teaching of a rabbi would have been like. And it had to be so different from what they ever imagined that sitting under the teaching of a rabbi would have looked like. Right? They followed Jesus into this incredibly uncomfortable place, right? this incredibly stretching place, a place where they probably would have never gone on their own. And it was there that they would see the kingdom. And it was by entering into the uncomfortable space of Levi's house that the disciples would get this truly beautiful glimpse of the kingdom right before their eyes. Right? The kingdom where the last are first and the first are last. Where those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Where those who want to save their lives will lose them, and those who want to lose their lives for the sake of Jesus and the gospel will find them. And the kingdom where there are seats at the table for everyone. So I mentioned earlier that I think there's something really interesting and provocative about the choice that Mark makes not to record the specifics of what Jesus taught and instead just to say that Jesus taught. And when you combine 
that characteristic of his gospel with the way that Jesus is always in motion in Mark. And when you combine it then also with the way that Mark tells this story here in chapter 2, where the disciples' experience so deeply defies what they would have expected <laughs> sitting under the teacher, teaching of a rabbi, right? Expectation-wise, comfort-wise, even content-wise, right? And, and, then, and then just the richness and the depth of the experience that they have because of that at Levi's. It prompts me to wonder whether or not as the church— We've, we've overemphasized teaching. And it prompts me to wonder whether as the church we've made teaching more important, more valuable than it should be, right? based on just how much of it we do. And here's, here's why I wonder that, because I think there's a sense in which teaching, in whatever form it's delivered in our modern Western cultural context of the church, can be a very comfortable place for us to engage with our faith. Teaching, I think, in our modern Western cultural church context is a very comfortable place for us to engage with our faith. And if there's one thing that Mark shows us through this story, it's that Jesus didn't come to make us comfortable. Instead, just like the disciples, he invites us to follow him into the uncomfortable spaces. Jesus invites us to follow him into the uncomfortable spaces. He invites us to follow him into Levi's house. Whatever it is that that looks like for us. That, that could look like doing some intentional work on our soul and allowing all that's in our mind to take root in our heart in a new way. Now, incidentally, each week our, our remote worship guide email contains some questions that are intended precisely for that as a resource. And, and, and also as a part of this Eyes to See series, uh, there are going to be some social media posts that will be an avenue for that as well. So that could be part of stepping into Levi's house for us in terms of our soul. It could look like entering into an uncomfortable space relationally whether that's a relationship that's fractured or strained or, or that for whatever reason has atrophied somehow. It could look like companioning with someone in, in their suffering or embracing a new friendship or, or entering into a physical space that's uncomfortable for some reason. But whatever it is that it looks like, whatever it is that Levi's house looks like for us, it's when we enter into the uncomfortable spaces that the Spirit really forms us in ways that are special and unique. It's when we enter into the uncomfortable spaces that, that we begin to allow all that is in our minds to enter into our hearts and into our souls in beautiful and unexpected ways. And it's when we enter into those spaces like that we, like Simon, Andrew, James and John see the kingdom. It's in the uncomfortable spaces that we, that we get an unmistakable glimpse of the kingdom in our midst. We see the kingdom when we embrace the uncomfortable. And so where is Jesus inviting you to be uncomfortable? 
Who is he inviting you to embrace? How is he inviting you to see the kingdom? Father, we're grateful today for this story, for the richness of it, for all that Mark has to show us through Jesus and his teaching and the way that he led his disciples. And Father, we thank you for uh, the reminder this morning, and I think a really deeply important way, of our penchant for being comfortable pretty much in every area of our lives, and for the fundamental way that Jesus invites us to enter into uncomfortable spaces so that we might have eyes to see the kingdom. Holy Spirit, would you open up our hearts to the places that Jesus is inviting us to follow? Would you give us courage to follow him there? And would you, as we do that, open our eyes to see the wonder and the beauty of the kingdom of God on earth? Amen. Oh,